This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10OFF, T-E-N-O-F-F, for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. Welcome to this week's episode of the Everything Went Black podcast. My good friend Paul Aloisio from the band Restless Spirit joins us this week. It's a return visit from Paul. And uh, because it's uh, mid-October, the spooky season, we're going to talk about some spooky stuff. Specifically, our love for the film Near Dark. A classic. Paul and his band Restless Spirit have just released a killer record called After Image. We're going to be talking about that as well as their recent tour. Before we get going, I want to shout out my brothers and the horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. Starting the week off, every other week, we have Brandon Legion bringing you Horror Wolf 666. Next up in the lineup, we have Jackie Smith into the necrosphere. Midweek, everything went black, which is this podcast. I returned the following day with Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid for Necromaniacs. The week ends with Mike's brother, John Draper, bringing you spitball media. Saturday, you take off, and then Sunday, Carl Hikara brings us Sold Knox. He's been knocking out two episodes every week. And Carl and I have been doing these collaborative episodes called Darkness Weaves, where we cover the great work of Carl Edward Wagner. This month, we'll see the conclusion of the first part of our journey through Wagner's material. We'll be picking it up again with some of his other stories and lurking out there in the shadows Iblis Manifestations brought to you by the great Cheyenne of Tribax if you like this show please share it with your friends follow us on Instagram and Facebook uh, I still think uh, our X stream is, uh, is available somewhere I don't actively post on it but uh, there's auto posting going on so follow us there, if you will. And if you really, really believe in the show, please feel free to join our Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can join and support the show, get access to bonus material. For $5 a month, you can get access to the same bonus material, as well as early access to the regular stream shows and for $25 a month, you can become a sponsor. That means if you have a business, a podcast, a project, a band, whatever it is, you send us the copy and we'll read it. And there you go. Speaking of Patreon, I'd like to welcome aboard T. Murray as our newest member. Thank you very much. And we hope that this uh, is a fun, filled expression for you. Like, I'm so interested to hear about the tour and, you know, the record and the response. It seems like people really are into the new album. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been awesome. Like, the response has been just completely fucking awesome. And, uh, you know, overwhelmingly positive, which is good. Um, as you know, as a musician, like, every time you put something into the world, there's always, like, maybe a little bit of doubt. You know, like, 
I don't know if people are going to like this or not, but uh, I can say with full confidence that when we put out after image, like when I heard it back and I heard like the completed project, there was really none of that this time. Like when we put up, we put up blood, I was sort of like, I don't know. I hope people are into this. And then they were, uh, and, uh, I was like, okay. So, you know, when it was time to record after image and do that, I was just like, I'm doing this a hundred percent our way. Um, you know, no compromises, no nothing. Like we're going to get this perfect because I don't want to have any of those doubts or anxieties this time, just because usually in, in my, uh, perspective, the doubts and stuff, it's like, it's usually because you'll hear something, at least for me, that's like, oh, I wish we did this differently. But we took so much time, which is funny because it really wasn't so much time. And I mean, um, we recorded it very quickly and it was written in only three months. But uh, I was very meticulous and I was like, we're getting it right this time because I want to go into this with like full confidence. And I just want to make the absolute best record that we're capable of. And I mean it really seemed to get across like the whole message behind the album. Um, you know, a lot of reviewers and even listeners have picked up on what I was trying to say. And uh, to me, that's definitely the most important part because, you know, when, when you're trying to say something with music and sometimes people are just like, Oh, the riffs are awesome. And they don't really get into the message. Sometimes it's a little like disheartening. But um, sure. yeah, absolutely. I totally relate to that. Definitely. Yeah. This time it's like, I think because I was so open and honest, you know, especially in like doing press for it and even podcasts and stuff. And I kind of just laid it out all, all on the line. Like, Hey, this is what it's about. Um, I don't want anyone to be mistaken. Like there's a central theme and I'm not hiding behind like a story. Um or any fictitious concepts it's like this is raw straight to the point and um you know i i wrote it for the perspective of you know being hopeless and because i was going through a rough time as i i told you and i was like if i don't get my shit together what's going to happen so i i wanted to like go down that dark path in the record and to me like it ends on like a really bad note like the message you know it's sort of about right. you know your vice your vice is just not learning a lesson but um it, it was sort of like i just want to see what the other side would look like and so i thought it was kind of a hopeless and almost like nihilistic record but i'm amazed because i don't know if i mean i don't want to get like too big of a head or anything um and i hope this doesn't come across as like egotistical but i, I know who i am and i know that you know, I'm actually not a hopeless person. And uh, I really believe in empathy and, you know, caring about other people and shit like that, like any normal human being. <laughs> but yeah, of course. Uh, a, lot, a lot of the reviews were sort of saying, you know, like I read this one that was like, you know, uh, the reviewer said, I can say with full confidence that this sentence has never been written in the history of the human language. But the third full length from uh, Long Island doom metal band Restless Spirit has the potential to uh, teach the listener radical empathy. <laughs> oh, damn. Like, That's pretty cool. And, you know, a lot of people were saying that, you know, they're, they're hearing a lot of hope in it. And uh, so, so maybe, maybe I was even wrong. Like me, you know, sometimes like you say something's about one thing, but it's like everybody latches onto one thing. If everybody else is like, finding a little bit of hope or a positive message in it, then it's like, okay, maybe, maybe that's what happened. Because I, I also believe like, once you put like a piece of music into the world and people, you know, start consuming it and like latching onto it, I, I could say what it meant for me all I want, but it really becomes the listeners. And I truly believe that. So if people want to say it's hopeful and people want to say, you know, there's like a light at the end of the tunnel through this music, then it's like, that's what it is. I'm not going to debate that. And I think that's pretty cool that people are hearing something that I, I didn't intend for, but emotionally, that's what I was hoping for. If that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense because a lot of times like in some of my favorite, um, you know, writing or music, 
the um you know the the darkness gives like a contrast for like the, the lighter parts to exist you know what i mean it's like uh you know and also the person writing the material some of the bleakest material out there when you actually meet the person they're not that dark you know nihilistic person like for example uh, i've never met thomas legati but um but john paget who was on the podcast a few weeks ago is like the you know kind of the curator of uh, or is going to be the curator of keeping a lot of his work in in print and he's uh narrated a bunch of his material for cadabra records and he knows him very well and apparently he's a very bright tempered person he's not uh this this gloomy dark nihilistic guy just his output his creative output sort of navigates that world so that in contrast you can exist in in the light as opposed to being in the dark all the time and i think that might be what some people are experiencing when they listen to uh to after image yeah i mean that very well could be and i'd be very happy if that's the case because i mean like even you know me like i'm not like a dark dude i'm just a oh. normal guy <laughs> yeah, totally uh, um but yeah i mean so the the reaction has been awesome i mean at everything about it I'm, I'm i'm over the moon some of the criticisms we've gotten like uh some people aren't the biggest fan of the mastering and mixing but i yeah. kind of expected that because we sort of wanted it to just be very fucking dense yeah and just like a wall of sound and i know that isn't for everybody but you know that's what we wanted so i'll even you know i'll even defend that part of it like i don't i didn't think it was going to be for everybody the way that it sounds i mean there's so much distortion on those guitars that it's barely even a guitar at that point and uh you know dynamics were just thrown out the fucking window i mean like gusmo was hitting those drums as hard as he fucking could on every single hit i was playing as hard as i could it's like you know we were just we went we went as hard as possible and uh i i got the mix back and i was like this feels like you know a baseball bat to my skull and <laughs> i liked it so um, yeah, i can't believe people have a problem with that i think i thought it sounded awesome man like i remember when you sent me you know you sent me listening tracks a while back before the album you know was going to come out and i was like damn this is like 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 a neurosis album or something you know just so many so much density and, and just so much weight to it you know yeah you know it, it's like i kind like i said i kind of expected it because it it is very dense and i know that isn't to everybody's liking but like i don't know if that's the one thing that you could find wrong with this album and you you still love it like i'm cool with that you know and, yeah i um, hate i hate people who review music man it's like such a worthless fucking vocation you know what i mean? <laughs> like yeah well, okay cool so, I'm, gonna, so... I'm gonna i'm gonna like review this record based on whatever meager like aptitude i have for music you know it's so subjective and and um is even like you know it's funny because i'll see i saw one review where i don't really like to bother with reviews because i agree with you but yeah. um i was just curious and uh someone brought it up to me and i read it and the people were sort of like debating it in the comments and they were like 70 comments or something on this fucking article and people were like chill out like it's it's not even bad you guys are being dramatic and um so it was that was that was really funny to me you know seeing just like people come to our aid it was like oh okay cool like it's not a lost cause um how, all in all and, how long you got how long did you guys spend in, in the in the studio because remember i was out there you know with some for, you know, for at least uh one evening i was out there with you guys and uh how long did it seem like you guys are camped out there for a while how long did you spend recording dude i it was such a blur because we got up there um we set up drums we did some drum stuff and then we went home for a little bit we sort of like had to segment it and then we went up there again in november uh did a little bit of work and the closing date on my first house was like the day after. So I literally <laughs> went to New Jersey, set up guitars, got some tones, did some scratch tracks, went home, closed on my house, slept there for one night and then uh, drove right back up to New Jersey and finished it up. And I think in total it was like 
I don't know, like around two weeks. And most of it was just work in the evening. So we would just be hanging out all day, like playing Nintendo 64 because uh, John Forrestal, who, who recorded it at the animal farm, he uh, he's a school teacher. Uh, so during the days, besides the weekends, you know, we couldn't just be recording all day long, but uh, if he was able to, it wouldn't have taken that long. Um, so a lot of those uh, two weeks was kind of just like hanging out and just like passing time, but it was really cool. And then uh, I eventually we got pretty much everything done and uh, there were just a, a couple little things I wanted to do. So uh, Forrestal gave me a microphone to bring home and I did some harmonies at home and some DI tracks and some uh, guitar parts and then just sent it to over sent it over to him and he just uh, reamped those. So all in all, I, I, I want to say like two weeks and change plus some work at home. That's pretty good, man. I mean, that, that's really not a lot of time. I mean, that's like, you know, I, I figured it, when you said a lot of time, I thought you guys have been there for like, a, like on and off for like maybe a couple of months or something like that. But that two weeks is like pretty quick, man. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. For us, it's a lot of time because we, you know, we just work so quickly. We go in so focused. Like this is exactly what we want. Like I spend so much time demoing it, every everything out at home. It's like yeah. by the time I'm ready for vocals, I've already done like three or four different melodies. And then I've already chosen the ones that I like. So it's sort of like, unless there's a genius idea in the studio, it's really not going to be changed. Because I, I've spent so much time going over all the different possibilities that my mind can come up with. Um, so it's really like we get in there and it's like I want to be as prepared as possible and, you know, just hammer it out. So we do have a lot of time to just like chill and have a good time and take in, you know, the ambiance of wherever we're recording and make it more of an experience instead of just stress. Because when you go in not that prepared, it's fucking stressful, man. <laughs> Oh yeah, totally, man. That's I <laughs> to that for sure. You know, but that, that's awesome, and that's the beauty of today with technology. You know, one of the upsides, like there's a lot of really downsides to technology. You know, but like the upside, if you're a creative person making music, is that you can you can make a real deal demo just with your laptop and like an, an interface and have everything planned out and you know, pre-produced to the, to the nth degree before you actually step foot into a studio. So everything can be like, you know, all, all the bugs are worked out and you're just executing it. You know, once you get behind, you know, once you're on the clock, you're just executing it. Yeah. Like if you, if you listen to the, cause I demoed out every single song besides the interlude. Um, cause I didn't really see a reason to do that. It was so simple. Um, if you listen to the demos and then you listen to the finished product, like obviously the sound quality is way 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 better because i don't know what i'm doing like when it yeah. comes to recording at home of course but it's pretty much exactly the same like maybe one or two things change but it it's almost exactly the same that's awesome man you know i, I mean i yeah the record's great i'm um you know i'm pumping it up to a lot of people every everyone else in, in, in tombs really digs it because you know we we did that short tour last year and you know we're all friends and everything and we got that show coming up in a couple of weeks and that's going to be awesome yeah dude this is your first time on long island too right we never like played long, ever i mean not you know tombs has never played on the island but I, I played out there in other bands so yeah this will be our first after i don't know however many you know 15 years or something like that doing the band <laughs> our first time out on the island so it should be good yeah i mean i think it's going to be a good show um there's a decent amount of hype around the new record and a lot of people really like tombs and um all the bands on the bill are really good uh funeral dancer they're local and i love that band they're just like almost like midnight with more guitar harmonies oh cool um they're really good and then blame god is like super grindy oh yeah really fucking band. heavy yeah I've seen them play. I've seen them play out here in Jersey. Um, yeah, they played out. They recently, I mean, over the summer, they played out in Carney with Reeking Aura and uh, and Replicant. I was at that show, and they're they're pretty tight. I thought they were really good. Yeah, no, they're they're actually on our last record release. Um, Funeral Dancer was too. 
um, two years ago, but it was sort of like, we had a good time and I thought the bill was pretty solid and we don't always play together. So it was like, all right, you know, if the record release is somewhat similar, that's fine because it's like, I want to play with my friends and bands that I really enjoy. And a lot of hardcore, uh, sorry, a lot of long Island is mainly hardcore, uh, which is cool, but I didn't want it to just be like, you know, five hardcore bands and then us. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, that, that, that could go a lot of different ways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the hardcore kids definitely embrace us because this is, you know, this is where we came up. And um, I mean, I played in hardcore bands for a long time on Long Island. So it's like this is that's where our history is. And we get along just fine in that scene. But for our show, I definitely wanted to make I wanted to make it something cool. And that's why I was like, you know, let me see if Tunes would do this, because like, obviously, I love your fucking band. Um and I wanted you guys to play the show. And I was like, nah, oh, dude, I appreciate that. No, I'm glad you asked us because it's, you know, you know, we all got along so well on that tour. And, uh, you know, we, of course, we all were, were really excited to come out and, uh, you know, and, you know, celebrate the release of the record, man. That that's that was just a, a really touching for you to ask us to play that. I thought that was great. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, and for what it's worth, also, I got to say, almost every fucking person that got a hold of the record when we were on tour um, and told me they listened to it because we had the advanced copies. Um, almost everyone had two favorites. They liked Hell's Grasp a lot and uh, Shadow Command, and they they loved your guest vocal spot. And I was like, <laughs> yes, it worked. <laughs> that was a lot of fun, man. I had a great time hanging out with you guys and like cutting vocals. It was fun, man. It was like, I love those like no pressure situations where you just get to chill, you know, hit a couple vocal lines and you're done. Yeah. That's awesome. I have a lot of fun doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. It was awesome. We're literally just hanging out on a farm, you know, making a yeah. metal record, like it's <laughs> literally a farm. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But, uh, you know, now we got the, uh, we're in the middle of the spooky season, man. And, um, you know, it's October we got Halloween coming up and the show is kind of a Halloween show. If you think about it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to dress up, we won't say no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you anticipate anybody coming in costume at that show? I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Like, maybe if we tried to get everybody to, but it's kind of hard getting people to do silly stuff like that on the island. Yeah, no, totally. Man. Whereas we're playing with S. So we're flying to Detroit Friday night, uh, playing Acid Witch's Halloween show Saturday oh, wow. night. And then... Uh, Sunday morning, we're flying back to the island and playing our record release. But I I know that like Acid Witch, that's like costumes encouraged, and their whole like thing is Halloween, obviously. So that like I know people are gonna dress up. Um, our show, I don't know. Like I'm saying it right now. If you want to dress up, anybody listening, like that'd be cool. It's almost Halloween. But yeah, Acid Witch has an they have an interesting aesthetic. I mean, we we played with them years ago out in in the Netherlands at um at Roadburn Fest at either the first or second time we played, and uh, I I dug their whole like trip with the hot with the horror stuff because you know you and I were both fans of that. You know, obviously everyone listening to this knows about Necromaniacs and our mutual love for horror films and horror fiction and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I appreciate I appreciate Acid Witch. Yeah, they're fucking great. And they're like, they're so overwhelmingly nice. Like, just seriously, seriously, some of the nicest people I've ever encountered in my entire existence. And so that's always cool because I always really liked Acid Witch. So, you know, same thing with like you guys. Like, I was always into tombs. So I was like, when I met you, I was like, damn, I hope we get along. And obviously <laughs> we did. <laughs> but oh, yeah. I, I think we're, we're pretty easygoing guys. So we kind of get along with everybody. It's usually like the other bands that are sort of like, like uh, some bands just like to keep to themselves. And that's cool. I respect that. But, you know, I'm very open shit. So I'm always hoping that everybody else is. And uh, like you guys, Acid Witch, Black Tusk, Howling Giant, basically like all the bands we've toured with in the past two years have just, we've all became like really, really good friends. And it's awesome because in the past we've done a lot of tours and shit and it's like you know you play with some bands and you'll see them every once in a while but you don't really talk to them but um whatever's going on right now with like the bands we're playing with it's like we're just making what feels like and hopefully lifelong friends you know because to me that's the whole point of like touring with other bands you know not just bringing more people out like 
you're in this together. You know, like yeah, I like fucking, I like the, I like when that happens too, man. But you know, sometimes it's like you're saying, you know, you, you run into some cunts out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, you said it, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, fucking and like, so this is the this was our first full US, and it was also the first time that that we like just headlined anything substantial on our own. And it was cool. Don't get me wrong. Like we had a great time. It was a great tour. Um, but not having another band there besides uh, we had another magnetic eye band called Witch Ripper out in the Pacific Northwest States. And it just made me realize like how much we missed being out with another band because after that, it was like, oh, back to just us. It's not that like we love hanging out with each other, like the three of us in, in both iterations, because, uh, you know, like our drummer at home, Gusmo, he can't really tour anymore. So we have um, Apollo, who you met in, uh, yeah. I think, it in, uh, what's it called? Yeah, in Maryland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, we all get along. We, we're just like, we, we're perfectly happy just sitting in a room, just like doing nothing and just like talking to each other and making like immature jokes. So it's like, we don't like need that camaraderie because we all get along so well. But it's like, you know, on a shit day when the show sucks, at least you have another band. It's like that, that, that was awful, but tomorrow it's going to be better. You know what I mean? And uh, on the good times, it's like you have another band to celebrate with like, Hey, that was awesome. We all killed it. Like we did crazy on merch. Um, so yeah, uh, we definitely missed having uh, a band come along with us. But with that said, you know, we, we did, we did pretty well for just us and, I'm definitely happy about that, but you know, it's like, it, it makes me appreciate even more, even, uh, you know, that one Detroit show we're doing with acid, Witch, or having you guys on, uh, our record release and just seeing friends and, you know, that community that, that we're all cultivating. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And that, that's cool that it went so well for you guys. I, I was following you guys on, you know, on, on Instagram and, and I'm like, man, it looks like they're, these guys are ripping out there. It's awesome. You know, any, any uh, favorite parts of the country, you know, that you, you played? Um, I really love the Pacific Northwest. Like I've been there before and I knew I was going to love it. So it wasn't like a surprise to me. I, I, I've been everywhere in the country, except funnily enough, I don't think I've ever been to Maine. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah, but I've been to every single other state besides Alaska. Yeah, I've Alaska. Been to <laughs> you've been to Alaska? No, no, never, dude. That that that's like uh, you know, you need a reason to go up there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think Gusmo's brother is is like stationed there for the army, so he he's been there. He said it was just like dark when he went, but I mean, I've even been to Hawaii. Like I've been everywhere. Well, yeah. I guess Puerto, Puerto Rico is the U.S., right? So that oh, it's a territory. They have it's made a territory. Okay, so then I won't count that because I haven't been there. So I'm just going to say Maine and Alaska. But yeah, definitely the Pacific Northwest. Seattle was awesome, and that's that show we played is one of my favorites we've ever played. We played with um, the Well and this band called A Thousand Mods from Greece, and that show was just like fucking awesome. You know, there there were a lot of shows this tour where um even if the crowd was really small there were people specifically there for us um people that knew the words people that have been wanting to see us for a long time you know sometimes sometimes you get booked at places and it's you just sort of just like the bar band and people are just like when the fuck are they going to be done like this they're so loud but that did not happen one time like even the small shows that we played you know they they were just there were people there for us and uh from a band that's been grinding for as long as we have and really, you know, only seeing returns in the past two years is extremely gratifying. Um, Killer, man. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, yeah the, North, the Northwest can be, the Northwest is definitely a, a cool part of the country to, to play in for sure. I mean, it's just so beautiful. Like, it's just incredible. It looks so old and like majestic and almost otherworldly. And I, I really, really loved it. Um, and then of course, uh, we saw a lot of the desert and, uh, you know, New Mexico and we checked out Roswell. Oh yeah. Um, you gotta do that when you go through that part of the country. Yeah. It was very kitschy, but you know, it was like every, it was a very small town and, uh, seemed like everyone really is latching on to the alien stuff. Like we went to, there was an alien McDonald's, there was an alien hotel. There was, 
alien every there's an alien dunkin donuts <laughs> so it was it was cool it was fun um so i i really liked roswell um i don't know if it's a place that i'm itching to go back to um <laughs> yeah once but... once is probably enough i think for roswell yeah <laughs> one and one, you're probably good you know yeah but besides that, I mean, yeah, so Pacific Northwest is awesome. L.A., actually, uh, I've been to L.A. a couple times, and that was the first time. I don't know what we did differently, but it just I, – I really enjoyed it this time, and I usually don't. Um, but it was cool. You know, we went to Amoeba and uh, went and saw the Elliott Smith wall, which I'm a huge fan of Elliott Smith, so I try and do that every time I'm there. Um, just kind of hit the usual spots, you know, and then – uh checking out the Del Tacos and all the regional fast food places. Yeah, man. <laughs> I was, uh, but, I was just talking about Del Taco actually. Just funny. I was, um, yeah, it came up in conversation, Del Taco as like a regional chain. That's not too bad actually. Yeah. I mean, my band loves it. They go crazy for it. I mean, I think it's pretty good. I'm not that into fast food period. So it's yeah. like when we're on tour eating like shit, I'm like, I mean, Besides McDonald's, I don't know what it is, but it's like there. It just reminds me of like being a kid. So any fast food besides that, I try and avoid. But if it's like, oh, you want to go to McDonald's, I'm I'm probably gonna say yes. Um, yeah, I don't fuck with it, man. I, I don't. I, I Taco Cabana is another one out there too. You ever you ever check that place out? It's like another kind mm-hmm. of like fast food taco joint out there in, in like that part of the country. Del no. Taco, Taco Cabana, and In and Out. That's what I'll, I'll I'll fuck with those those places. And that's Dude, In and Out is so good. In and Out, I love. It, it is, but it isn't. You know, what I'm trying to say, man. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, totally. It's, yeah, there's something about it that's just kind of sick, you know. But like, the the fries are terrible. That's the one thing I got to say about In and Out Burger. So I actually disagree with you because really? I am like I'm the plainest eater in the world, and <laughs> the In and Out fries literally just taste like you took a potato, you cut it up, you barely cooked it, and did not even attempt to season it. <laughs> so I'm like fine with that, which is funny because okay. I like I like when things are really plain, but I also really like flavorful foods. I'm like I love Indian food. I you know. Right. Yeah, and like a lot of different like cultural foods and stuff, especially uh, stuff with like heavy amount of spices and stuff like that. But at the same time, I'm always totally game for like the blandest, most like plainest shit in the world. I don't know. Sometimes it's just what I need. So those fries for me are fine because <laughs> they're, yeah, they're definitely fries. bland. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely bland for sure. Yeah. All right, so you want we wanted to talk about uh, near dark too, man. Which is like uh, you know we're in the ho- we're in the Halloween mode, and uh, near dark is a uh, is one of uh, the premier films I think from that era. So uh, you know you're a little bit younger than me. So what what is it about near dark that that grabs you? So near dark to me, I don't know if this is a little controversial. Oh, <laughs> I think. Near Dark does a lot of things really, really great. But sometimes when I go back and revisit it, it seems like it could have been a little more cohesive. And that always bothers me. But with that said, the parts that are great are amazing. Like Bill Paxton is amazing. Um, Lance Henriksen is amazing. And so like... When I first saw it, I didn't know what to expect. I thought it was just going to be like a straight-up vampire Western. And it's not really that. Like, you have a little bit of, like, the Western theme. But it's not really that. And then you have Bill Paxton, who's basically the most iconic character in the movie, who's almost got, like, a Sisters of Mercy-type look and almost like a, a like proto-punk vibe to it. Um, so you get that aspect and then you have the whole love aspect between, uh, you know, the main characters and sort of like this underlying theme of like, you know, the blood could be seen as like an allegory for addiction and this and that. Um, so it, it just seems to me every time I rewatch it that there's a lot of things going on for it, but I don't, I, I never felt that it was like a masterpiece. It's great. I love it. But it just, to me, it always feels like a bunch of ideas that were thrown together 
And I wish that a couple of them, at least visually, were a little more fleshed out or uh, just focused on. Does that make sense? No, I can see that. I get, I get like that with some films too. And and this one, I can understand that about this movie too, because it's almost like it's more like the vibe of the movie is what I respond to, and the story yeah. is like yeah. Same thing with Lost Boys too. Like Lost Boys, like narratively doesn't really hold up as well, but just the, it has such a killer vibe, and like it just looks cool, you know. Yeah. See, see, Lost Boy, Lost Boys to me, that vibe is consistent the whole movie. Um. Like, you know exactly what you're getting into when you watch Lost Boys and Near Dark, like I said, because um, you kind of got the Western part, you kind of got the proto-punk visuals, and then you got like a very 80s soundtrack. Um, it's just, I don't think it's as cohesive. But with that said, it, it, it's a great, great movie. Um, I think also part of it um, is that like you said, the vibe to me stands out a lot more than the actual story. The story doesn't grip me as much as I would like it to, but then like it, it almost doesn't matter because you see Bill Paxton on screen and his whole performance, that entire movie. And he just steals the show. Yeah. Bill Paxton and Lance Henriksen together are like, you know, hooks, I think, for the movie, really. You know, I mean, I don't even remember the main characters as much. I just remember those two characters. Well, that's my point exactly, because, you know, while, while re-watching it, it's like, I just, look, I just rewatch it. I I can't even remember the the two main characters' names. <laughs> and that's that says a lot about the movie, I think. But you for, people forget about that because Bill Paxton is just so fucking awesome and so is Lance Henriksen. The other thing that um, I don't know if this is controversial because I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but I fucking hate the character of Homer, the little kid. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I was kind of, I, I didn't like, I don't like him either, actually, man. I got, I, I could agree with you on that. So annoying. <laughs> like just every time I watch that movie, I forget about him and I'm like, oh my God, why'd they keep this character in the movie? But with all that said, like, I, I really do like the movie. Like, it's a great movie. Um, I just think that it got as popular as it did, or maybe its lasting power really is in because of, uh, you know, Lance Henriksen, yeah, but mainly Bill Paxton and the visuals and his whole get up and his performance for sure. If anything, I would have liked to see him like the whole movie or as like the central big bad the entire time. Cause he kind of is like, he's, he's like, uh, you could tell the whole time he's going to be an antagonist, but he's not like Sauron. You know what I'm saying? Or, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, no, it's, it's a great movie. Really good. Um, I just always think I like it a lot more than I actually do. And, uh, then I watch it. And I'm like, oh shit, these are these are my gripes with the film, but they're not gripes that I would be like, don't watch it. You know, like I'm not trying to say that at all. Like as I'm, you could say criticizing it. I think I'm just nitpicking it because it's a great movie, but um, I'm just surprised every time I watch it because I forget that it's not in like my top ten of all time. I, I forget that, and then I watch it. I'm like, oh well, that's why. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's um it's also an early Catherine Bigelow film too. I don't know if you are you, you know she's like went on obviously to become like with the Hurt Locker to become like a uh, you know very prominent director. You know she also co-wrote this one too. Yeah, she did um, Zero Dark Thirty as well. Yep. Um she uh, she did a bunch of stuff and something. So I really like her uh, commentary on the movie too because I have the Blu-ray and I, I I always make sure that I watch that. Because um, there's, I don't know if you ever have, but I like what she has to say about the movie. And she goes pretty deep into even her idea of almost like making it a Western, but not a Western. And the whole like allegory for, you know, the vampirism as like more of like drug addiction and stuff like that. Um, so it's like even sometimes I'll even hear her talking about it and the way that she like helped write it and, um, you know, directed it. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like, I kind of am on the mark with <laughs> what I'm saying about it. Cause she's even saying it just in a different way. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I think she did a great job directing that movie. Like stylistically, the movie's it's fucking killer, dude. I mean, like it's like I I can't say it enough about Bill Paxson, like everything about his character and the way they like every time he's on the screen, it was like, you know, this is the reason this movie is not ever going to be forgotten about because Bill Paxson. And uh, you could be a great actor, but if you don't have like a good director or someone like really, you know, pulling the strings and, and making it into a cohesive, you know, end product, it's like, you know, it's not going to have that great of lasting power. So you ever, uh, you ever see, uh, there's a film that I think it might've been one of her first directing gigs. There's a, a movie called the loveless. You ever check that one out? Uh, I don't think I've ever even heard of that. And it's, it came out like, I don't know, it's like early eighties maybe. And it's uh Willem Dafoe. It might even be one of his first roles. And it's just like this Southern brooding kind of film. It's, um, takes place in the fifties. It's all these greasers. It's a pretty dark film. It's definitely something to check out. You can find it out there, like streaming somewhere. I bet. Yeah, I I'm definitely interested. I mean, you just say Willem Dafoe, and I'm into it. <laughs> Especially yeah, like early. You can't go wrong with it. Yeah, and uh, you know, early Willem Dafoe, I think it is fucking awesome. I mean, he's an actor that also he. Every time you see him in a movie you know, you're going to get quality at least from him. It's like, you know, and to go on it, um, possibly a tangent, it's like, um, I think that Willem Dafoe is a really great actor and he could like step into a role and be entirely convincing. Um, and then I really like that about him, but there's some actors who I also really like where it's like, they also give it 100%. Well, I would say 110% in this case, but it's you almost, you can never separate the actor from who he's trying to portray. And I bring this up because I just recently watched uh, Renfield. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah, yep, yeah Nicholas Cage, yep. What did you think about it? You know, I, I actually enjoyed it. I um, didn't think I'd like it, you know, because the trailers look just silly, you know what I mean? And uh, Yeah. But, but I love Nicholas Cage and... um I watched it one night and I thought it was actually really good. Uh, yeah, I just watched it, um, I don't know, like two or three days ago. And I was expecting not to like it that much, but I, I really liked it. It was a lot of fun. And uh, the reason that uh, I'm going on this tangent, because uh, uh, Nicolas Cage is another actor that no matter what, no matter what, he goes 110%. And sometimes it's really hard for you to not be like, oh, this is just Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage. Like, even like The Wicker Man, you know, you know, that iconic, the bees, the bees, when it's just like completely over the top. Yeah. And it's like, you could, like, it's not convincing anyone, but he's really just like, he's, he's going super hard. I was fucking convinced that I was watching Count Dracula in this movie. I think he sold it and it was awesome. Even like in the beginning, of Renfield when uh you know Dracula is like all decrepit and disgusting before he gains his full power back. I thought that was like gross and it was awesome. And I you know it's it's very rare in this day and age to see a Nicolas Cage movie for me where I'm not like, oh that that's just Nicolas Cage. Like he he sold me. He was Dracula in that movie. I thought it was awesome. Very cartoony. Very yeah. cartoony. But I feel like he's the kind of guy like with the with the right director, like he'll he does a great job. Like for example, in Mandy, right when he had uh, oh you know, yeah Cosmatos, um, yeah. him directing him in that film, he was awesome. He was great, and and you know he was he became that character Red, you know, and um, you know it, with the right director, and even going back to like Wild at Heart and stuff like that, you know, or Leaving Las Vegas, like with the right director, he becomes more of the character not just nicholas cage like riffing on a role you know what i mean yeah because i i think the key and i could be wrong i've never directed a movie and i've certainly never directed nicholas cage but i think the key to get nicholas cage to be as great as he's able to be is to just let him be nicholas cage and uh i think in in his very early career he excelled at that I definitely think that, you know, as time went on, like, cause he's definitely having 
like a resurgence now. I think everybody can agree on that, especially in the horror community. With um, uh, why am I blanking on this? It it um, it's an H.P. Lovecraft story. Oh, Color Out of Space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Color Out of Space. Uh, Mandy. Um, I think it was called Wally's Wonderland or something like that, where he just like beats the shit out of animatronics the whole movie and doesn't say a fucking word. Oh, I didn't even see that. I wasn't even aware of that. Dude, it was awesome. And um, not even horror, but uh, what the hell is that movie called where Nicolas Cage plays himself? Oh, uh, shit. I don't know. It's a good idea. You can stop me once again. Uh, the Weight of Unbearable Talent or something like that. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it came out like in the 90s or something like that or early 2000s. No, it just came out. Um, oh, shit. Weight... I have no idea then. I'm completely failing at this then. So I have no idea what movie you're talking about. <laughs> it's called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent with, oh, with him and Pedro Pascal. You didn't hear about this movie? Dude, I don't know how I didn't hear about it, but I didn't hear about it. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> It is. It was fucking amazing. Like, it it was fucking amazing. Like Nicolas Cage just plays himself, and it's just like he's just being batshit insane. And it's you have to see it. It's awesome. It's fucking awesome. I can't say enough good things about this movie. I just my, love uh, my, watching- my girlfriend. My girlfriend says that she just saw she saw that. So what's what's the? Uh, it's good. Okay. You recommend it? Yeah. You think I would like it? Okay. All right, cool. So so Tina saw it. Um, so I, you know, I'll probably eventually check it out too. Then. Yeah, it it's it's totally awesome. I mean it, it's just he's just acting unhinged in it, and it's like I barely remember the story. I just like seeing him and Pedro Pascal act together, and especially Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage. Um it, it it's just it's fucking awesome oh another movie uh i don't know if you saw that i really liked that he was in uh pig yeah Did that one was that? really good that was like definitely uh like a vibey atmospheric kind of film you know what i mean yeah so he's not a lot of dialogue you know just kind of like like uh impressionistic in some ways you know yeah no for sure i love i love that movie um but I, I definitely think he's seeing sort of like a resurgence because for a while he was just seen as kind of like a, a joke. Um, and I think that probably just had to do with, I know he was taking a lot of roles and I think he like went bankrupt because he was like very rich and just like blew his money on really stupid shit. And so he was in like a lot of crappy movies, but he was still giving it like his all. And it obviously wasn't working because he was surrounded by just, you know, <laughs> inferiors i guess you could say maybe that's mean but you know he was in a lot of crappy movies but he was still you know nicholas cage doing his absolute best and um I'm, I'm happy to see him getting the respect that i think he deserves um yeah me too man i mean i i um you know i i think that like i i only want to see good things happen to nick cage nick, nick cage nicholas cage and um i'm glad that people are appreciating more he's getting better roles I, I mean, I think like Mandy is going to be a defining movie of this generation in, you know, when people talk about, you know, whatever you call the, the 2020 period, the COVID generation, let's just say. Yeah. I mean, that that movie just even like visually, that movie is absolutely astounding. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm, you know, the little, little pre little teaser here. I'm working on a book. uh for like under the necromaniac sort of moniker of um the first new millennium like horror in the new millennium you know and it's kind of like you know just like an accounting of some of the changes that have happened in the horror genre like since uh the beginning of the you know 21st century up until 2025 so i've been you know writing little sections about different things and there's a section on on um you know, Panos Cosmatos' films and how different they are and, and specifically Mandy. And I cite that as like being a, um, you know, a, an iconic, a future icon as far as like films go. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, 
I, I don't even know anyone that doesn't like that movie. Like, I don't think I've ever spoken to someone that does not like that movie that's into horror. I really it, it resonates on so many levels. Like, there's like, um, it's such an emotionally moving film too, you know, because it has to do with like loss, and, you know, and love and all that sort of stuff. But then it's like one of the most like metal like movies because of just the, how intense it is and just the visuals and like, you know, there's like those title breaks, you know, where it's like the shadow realm or whatever the hell the chapters are called, you know? And it's just like, yeah, it's like all the things like you can enjoy it just as like a, a someone who likes films. Or you can enjoy it as someone who loves reading Conan, you know, and like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, just dark stuff, you know, and it's just, or someone who likes action films, you know, it's, it has something for everybody. Yeah, no, totally. It, it Great, great, great fucking movie. <laughs> I don't even need yeah. to recommend it to anybody because I'm sure everybody listening to this has seen it and most likely enjoyed it. Have you seen another Catherine Bigelow film is uh, Strange Days. Have you ever seen that one? no it's like uh early it came out in like the late 90s it was like all around like the turn of the century and like this kind of like cyberpunk uh you know thing with like virtual reality and like murder and ray fines was in it it was like an early early role for him uh juliette lewis was in it tom sizemore the late great tom sizemore was in it and uh it's definitely it's out there man and it's like um a really cool film and uh it's got a great soundtrack like that band season to risk is in it and uh, i don't know it's really cool to check out oh yeah I, I'm, I'm looking it up right now it looks pretty fucking cool I, this definitely escapes uh my radar yeah no it's uh, I, it, I, it's catherine big uh, for some reason you know she's a big name but not too many people talk about that movie you know yeah i i feel like it's one of those things where it's like you know, uh, the Hurt Locker and uh, Zero Dark Thirty were both, they were both like massive successes, weren't they? Yeah, they both were. Yeah, definitely. And, and like in in like a respectable, respectable way, not like as like a genre, not like, you know, how some people denigrate like genre films, you know, it's like, well, yeah, it's a horror movie or it's a crime film. But those two movies were really like dramas, like that people who take things quote unquote seriously look at it as a like, quote unquote serious films you know yeah and uh you know and people might look at you know near dark or strange days as like oh that's just like genre film and they dismiss it or something i, mean, I don't and i don't neither yeah. either you or i do that but some people would you know oh wow she she also did point break i'm seeing i didn't know yeah. that oh yeah that's another another classic that's awesome yeah wow yeah but uh yeah man so um yeah we're looking forward to uh to the show coming up we're uh practicing really hard <laughs> you know you better not sure fuck up dude we're not gonna make mistakes you know we're, we're like <laughs> down in our practice space like working on our little songs you know getting everything together you know and uh you know you guys are just coming off the road so you guys are gonna be nice and you know well-tuned machine and it should be a uh excellent evening of hard rock and heavy metal for everybody out in Long Island. Dude, absolutely. Oh, and I also have another thing to say. Um, to to anybody that um, came out to the shows from this podcast or uh, the Horror Wolf 666 podcast, like there were a bunch of you. So that was fucking awesome. And I'm sure I told you thank you there, but I'm saying thank you again because that was really cool to see. And I think oh, I dude. did tell you that, Mike, right? Like My a pleasure, bunch of people man. came out. Yeah, dude, my pleasure. I mean, you know, we're we're growing, man. You know, we got the Legion growing here. We got all our whole crew, man, the horsemen. You know, we're we're out there and we got people that, you know, that are into cool stuff. And it's my pleasure to like uh, you know, help keep the energy going with everything. And I'm happy that people are listening. I'm happy that people are paying attention. And like I'm glad that in our whatever way that we can, we can help bands like Restless Spirit, you know, reach other people, you know. Yeah, it was totally awesome. I mean, uh, there was one person, I don't know who you are, because I don't think we got a chance to talk, but I also saw a Necromaniac shirt in Chicago. So that was pretty fucking cool, too. Um, He's probably an OG, because those shirts have been long out of print, man. And we're overdue for another merch run at this point. Nice. Yeah, no, it's definitely cool. I saw a lot of people from the podcast. Well, 
I've never seen these people before, but <laughs> I met a bunch of people that uh, had listened to the podcast and they were like, yeah, like I came because of this or I heard Mike talk about it. And uh, yeah, so that was pretty fucking awesome. So thank you to all those listeners. Oh, yeah. And that's, you know, that's that's the coolest thing about this stuff, man. It's like, um, you know, it's like we're, we're a little crew, you know, people we just try to support each other, you know. Yeah. And, you know, thanks for having me on so much. Let me be a part of it in a small way. It's totally awesome. You're you're no longer a guest. Now you're a known associate. You know, you've like changed <laughs> status here. You know, like you're a known associate. So you're you're not really a guest anymore. Yeah, dude, I'm cool with that. There are a bunch of things I've been meaning to bring up to you that I think would be cool to talk about. So Hell yeah, man. You know, like you're you're a collaborator now. So let's let's get this all and, and you know out on the table and start doing shit. I'm fucking down. Let's go. All right, man. Well, I'll, I'll see you in a couple of weeks, Paul. And uh, yeah. you know, we're, we're looking forward to the show. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. Yep, I'll see you. And thanks for listening too. Take care, bro. Bye. Later. Bye.